Welcome, and thank you for joining this podcast brought to you by the American Heart Association. The Association's Digital Digest series features a range of podcasts and videos focused on the latest resuscitation science topics. Hello, everyone. My name is Stephen Brooks. I work as a staff emergency physician and associate professor in the departments of emergency medicine and public health sciences at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. I'm the current chair of the ECC Science Subcommittee, and today I have the pleasure of being your host for this podcast. We'll be speaking with Drs. Khalid Aziz and Henry Lee about the 2020 neonatal resuscitation guidelines. Dr. Aziz is a neonatologist and professor in the Department of Pediatrics in the Faculty of Medicine and Dentistry at the University of Alberta, and Dr. Lee is a neonatologist and associate professor at Stanford. Welcome to both of you, and thanks so much for speaking with me today. Dr. Lee, can you give us a little background on the development of the 2020 neonatal guidelines and why they are so important? So the 2020 neonatal guidelines were written by members in the writing group, which is composed of representation from nursing and physicians from the U.S. and Canada, and These uh, members of the writing group are connected to either one of the respective neonatal resuscitation programs or the ILCOR neonatal group. The writing group reviewed each component of the neonatal resuscitation algorithm, and the guidelines are used to support that algorithm. In writing the update, we carefully reviewed the evidence that came from recent AHA evidence updates, as well as in certain cases when there was not a recent update. The members of the writing group performed systematic reviews or scoping reviews in order to form the basis of the recommendation. Okay, and can you tell us how information from ILCOR was incorporated into the guidelines? ILCOR preformed several systematic reviews and scoping reviews that provided updated science for the AHA writing group to translate for our guidelines. Additionally, ILCOR coordinated with AHA and other councils around the world to preform evidence updates for topics that we did not have recent systematic reviews for. Many of the members of AHA's writing group are members of the ILCOR task force or work with the international body of neonatal content experts who support the ILCOR task force. I know that folks who read this year's guideline will notice a change in the format. Can you tell us about the knowledge chunk format of these guidelines and how you think that new formatting might improve how the guidelines are used? Thanks for that question. The knowledge chunk format was new uh, this year, and the basis for why this um, format was used was really to try to make it easier for the reader to access uh, the information that they needed. Hopefully, it would be more accessible and easily searchable as well, as the guidelines themselves are, are quite long, ultimately. There's a lot of information there. And so for the person who might be trying to get a quick overview, there's a ability, I think, to do that by looking at these knowledge chunks, which highlight the recommendation prominently. But each section also has a longer explanation, and the recommendation evidence base is outlined in a more detailed fashion for those people who may be more interested in delving into the reasons why a recommendation was made. So there's a a section for each recommendation on supportive studies that are referenced 
in order for people who may be thinking of why a recommendation was put into place that um, they can look up those further supportive studies as well. Okay, so it sounds like the major change from how these have been written historically are that the recommendations, the actual guidelines themselves are, are highlighted. I would imagine that might make them a little easier to find if someone is flipping through the document and looking for simply the recommendation, but also gives people an opportunity to dig deeper into the reasoning behind that recommendation if they wish by then reading the explanation under the recommendations. Is that accurate? Yeah, no, that's, I think, the idea behind the format. And I, I think it's turned out well that it is put in a format where the recommendations are, are prominent and, you know, easily accessible. Uh, but ultimately, because there's a, a wealth of information for those who are interested in further details, that's also available as well. Dr. Aziz, can you tell us about what's in these guidelines, what's in the neonatal chapter this year, and maybe some top highlights from your point of view? Firstly, I'd like to say the guidelines are really comprehensive. We have tried to address every step in the existing neonatal resuscitation algorithm. But before going through the highlights, I'd like to stress that the working group, the writing group, really felt that we needed to reinforce effective mass ventilation and ventilation of the lungs as the primary mode of resuscitation in babies. So following the order of the algorithm, the highlights would include making sure that there's the appropriate personnel and equipment at delivery, that every birth, as we have always said, should be attended by at least one person whose primary responsibility is the resuscitation of the newborn. Having said that, that person should have the training and the skills to provide effective positive pressure ventilation. We also provide guidance prior to this step as to how um, the cord should be managed in terms of delayed cord clamping, which continues to be recommended for most preterm and term births. We have uh, reinforced our statements on um, on meconium stained amniotic fluid, that uh, routine laryngoscopy and suctioning are not recommended whether the baby is vigorous or non-vigorous. The primary intervention remains um, airway support. And we've also, going through the whole algorithm, we've, uh, we've followed it more advanced resuscitation to the point where we talk about teams and individuals and how they should be trained, the importance of booster training, and the fact that um, the prevailing recommendations of training every two years may not maintain knowledge, skills, and behaviors. Can you highlight, are there any of those that represent significant changes from prior recommendations with respect to clinical management of the neonate? As Dr. Lee says, we've reviewed the ILCO and AHA statements going back to actually 2005, and knowledge is continually changing. I think what's really important for for readers to appreciate when they look at the knowledge chunks, that the emphasis may have changed in some areas, that some recommendations have become stronger with the prevailing evidence, and some have become weaker or neutral. So I would say the the most important changes have been in the area of um, of reinforcing cord management and the importance of training and having skilled individuals and teams. I would uh, put an emphasis on that because going forward, it's teamwork that uh, gives us better outcomes. 
Okay. In your review, in the team's review of the evidence from ILCOR or from within the writing group themselves in their own review of the evidence, were there any major gaps in knowledge that were identified? And can you highlight maybe a few of the key ones? Right. Well, you'll see from the uh, document that we listed a large number of uh, of gaps, and we tried to organize them into into the different aspects of the algorithm. I would say that the the biggest gaps lay in firstly the educational process. How do we best train individuals and teams? Whether there should be booster or, or refresher training. The next gap would be in our devices for for resuscitation, what are the best ways to provide effective positive pressure ventilation? The other gap would be in special subgroups. There really aren't enough data out there or studies out there to give us uh, optimal management of subgroups such as extremely preterm babies or babies with congenital cardiorespiratory anomalies. And it would be really good um, if in the next few years we had uh, data on these questions we know that the gap in terms of what gas to use or how much oxygen to use, uh, well, we presented that in the last year or two. Um, I think that's an ongoing question as well. Okay, so lots of research yet to be done. This is good news for scientists in the area of neonatology, but maybe not such good news for clinicians on the front line. Lots of questions yet to be answered. So um, I'm going to ask both of you now whether there are anything else that you'd like to tell us about the guidelines before we close. Any other uh, nuggets of wisdom you'd like to share about the 2020 neonatal guidelines? Well, I think, um, again, as Dr. Aziz shared, really the key component perhaps of neonatal resuscitation remains positive pressure ventilation. And you know, the various other aspects perhaps kind of all in some ways lead to positive pressure ventilation, how to assess whether it's needed, how to perform it well, how to work in teams to provide it in a way that's going to help the baby, how to correct the ventilation steps when needed in order to provide effective positive pressure ventilation. So although we still have a lot of research and further work to be done in filling some of our knowledge gaps, the emphasis on positive pressure ventilation really continues to be important for neonatal resuscitation. We do note there are several knowledge gaps to be addressed, and there is a, a long list at the end of our document. And so we appreciate the efforts of investigators who are already working on some of these questions, but we encourage others who are working in neonatal resuscitation science to consider some of these important knowledge gaps in order to further our work in this area. Well, thank you, Dr. Aziz, Dr. Lee. Thank you for your leadership. Thank you for the amazing work you've done to create this chapter. I know that it's going to have an important impact on people who are on the front lines of care and as well for those in research and the development of science. This is going to be such a useful tool to guide our future work in this area. So thank you again for all your work and thank you for speaking to me today about uh, the guidelines chapter. Views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the American Heart Association and the American Stroke Association. For transcripts of this podcast and more information about resuscitation science, please visit cpr.heart.org or engage with us via social media using hashtag ECC Digital Digest. <laughs>